This morning I want to speak to you on biblical prosperity. We're going to take a look at the contrast between two men that John writes about. One's name is Gaius and the other is Diotrephes. And we're going to take a look at biblical prosperity between these two. And so turn to 3 John, if you will. I'm going to read to you the entire book of 3 John. (laughs) All 14 verses. So let's hear the reading of the word of the Lord. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it prospers your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified of your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us, and not content with that, he refuses to welcome these brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whatever does good is from God and whatever does evil is not seen, uh, has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone, and from the truth itself, we also add to our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we'll talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends and every one of them. John is talking about Gentile believers that came into the church, and they were received by Gaius. But Diotrephes rejected them. He speaks well of Gaius and not so well of Diotrephes. Uh, I'm sorry. So so, uh, what I want to get out of this short text is the concept of biblical prosperity. Living a prosperous life. Why and where do I get that from? From the very first commendation he gives to Gaius. He says this. Beloved, or Gaius, I I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Some feel that possibly Gaius was ill and that he needed his strength being revitalized and that Paul is, I'm sorry, John is praying for his health, that it may be as well as his soul because his soul is doing well. He is a good man. He is doing great service to the body of Christ. But this is a blessing that I want us to understand and consider, that God would have us prosper. 
Now you've heard and you've seen on TV the prosperity gospel. And it focuses a great deal on wealth and finance. But can I tell you, biblical prosperity is so much richer than the things of this world and so much deeper in the soul than meeting your physical needs. And that's what this phrase talks about. I pray that you may prosper in what? All things, not just finance, but in your marriage, in relationships, with your children, in your job, in your community, with those round about you, and that you would be in health. How many of you know the Proverbs says that a merry heart does well like a medicine? Many diseases are brought on by stress and anxiety and so forth. So if you could prosper in your soul, usually everything else will come along. I know folks who are prosperous in their soul and not prosperous in their health in this season, but they're doing quite well. Because they're established in God. I know people who, whose body is broken, but their soul is rich and they are blessing many. And our prayer is that they would be well. And we pray for that healing to come. But there's a richness in prosperity, biblical prosperity. And that's what I want to speak to you about. So what does it mean, prosperity? What does it mean to prosper according to the Bible? Especially starting in the soul so that all things could prosper in you. Well, biblically, let me share that with you. Number one is health. Health or growth. That's what he means by health. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. So first of all, biblical prosperity is that you are strong and sound or healthy. Okay? Now, health means more than just your physical stature. Mentally healthy, spiritually healthy, relationally healthy. A healthy plant is strong and vibrant and is what? Growing. Biblical prosperity means you're growing. Let me ask you, have you been growing in your soul? Are you being enriched by the word of God? Are you becoming prosperous in your prayer life? In your understanding of the Lord? How is your health spiritually? Because I know people who got a lot of money but spiritually bankrupt. And that's not prospering in them. Right? And we know other folks who are poor and who are wealthy in their spirit. Biblical prosperity means health, well-being, life. Jesus said, I came to give you what? Life and life abundantly. Health. Okay? So it's vibrant. Second point for prosperity is there must be fruit because a healthy plant does what <laughs> multiplies bears fruit gives forth seed and blossoms to its full potential right what did jesus do to the fig tree that bore no fruit cursed it at the roots it was unprosperous it had no identity in the kingdom our fruit is how we are known. It is our identity. You shall know them by their fruit. Okay? And so if someone says they're a Christian, we got 80% of the United States that say they're Christian. 80%. But where is the fruit? 
If there's no fruit, they are not prospering in God. And you have to wonder, are they really a Christian? Is this really an apple tree when there's no apples? Okay. Now the third aspect is glory. Biblical prosperity deals with health, fruit, and glory. What do I mean by glory? Enlarging your testimony, identifying who you are. In other words, well, here, let me put it to you this way. Your fragrance, your beauty, your testimony. Who are we being shaped into? The image of whom? Jesus. The glory of Christ. And so to be prosperous biblically is to prosper in health. Your life is healthy. You're taking care of your body in a healthy manner. You're taking care of your home in a healthy manner. Your marriage in a healthy manner. Your relationships are healthy. They are bearing fruit. There is benefit to those who are your friend or who are married to you or who are your children. There is benefit and fruit coming from you and it creates a testimony or a glory that others can see this is a blessed life. This is biblical prosperity. I pray that you may prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. So our entire being is to move in this place of prosperity. To have health, fruit, and glory. Say those three things with me. Health, fruit, and glory. Let me give you an example from a tree, okay? The health of a tree, it grows a trunk, right? It takes in nutrition, it grows, it becomes strong, it is healthy. And when it becomes healthy and stands its ground and understands its being and its identity, as you and I are, it then produces fruit. And fruit always produces what? Seed. It reproduces itself to others. And then last of all, it gives a sweet fragrance or a beauty. And this is what John is saying for biblical prosperity. And so I ask you, how is your health? Are you a strong believer? Or are you nominal? Then I pray for your health as a Christian. Maybe you're weak in your faith. You, you are shy to testify. You, you don't know much and you haven't put much effort into growing in your faith. Well, my prayer for you is, as John is, I pray that you would prosper in health as your soul prospers. I'm praying that you'll grow in a commitment to God. Because if you're weak, you will be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Right? And the winds are coming stronger. I pray, how is your fruit? Are you making disciples? Are you bearing fruit with others? Are you sharing this fruit? Look at what he said about Gaius. He said this, Beloved, I pray that it may go well with you, that you may, prosper, that you may be in good health and prosper as your soul prospers. And he, and he goes on and he says that uh, you were faithful in caring for others. And it's a testimony in the church of how you are a blessing. And so there's fruit being born. And he says it's a testimony to others. There's the fragrance. If I called your neighbors up, 
<laughs> if, if I called your neighbors up, would they say that there's a sweet fragrance living right next door? That they love to keep the windows open to listen to the songs coming from your house? Is there a glory, is there a representation that goes beyond your fruit bearing and the disciples you're carrying, but that a testimony of all who come by smell the fragrance of Christ? This is prosperity. Now, I love this point. Prosperity is a blessed state of having the resource and ability to accomplish God's will. Do you have the resources you need to accomplish God's will? Well, if you're a believer, we certainly do. But are you in health with that provision? Right? You can have all the provisions, but if you don't activate them, they're not functioning in your life. I like this other statement. True prosperity is a blessed state of always having something to give to those who are in need. Now that's prosperity, isn't it? Someday we'll get there. When I win the lottery, I'm going to have enough to give to somebody. Oh, God knows my heart. When I win that lottery and I get some extra and I pay off all my bills, I'm going to have enough to bless someone. That's what I want someday. Wow, no, then you're not prosperous. And we've talked about that, about that fiscal responsibility, about having enough to give and to pour out to others while you have taken care of yourself because you live under your means. And so that you're always available, always available to give. That's a prosperous life. And so this is prosperity. Second Corinthians puts it beautifully, 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency, all that you need in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. There it is. That's biblical prosperity. God supplies all my needs by the sufficiency of his grace so that at all times, in all places, everywhere, to all people, I can bless them. Wow. Wow. Now look, at you might fall short of having some cash in your pocket to give someone, but you've got the blessings of heaven to pour out to them. You've got two hands, two feet to care for them, to walk with them, to counsel them. It's not always cash or money that's helping someone else. Sometimes that's the least of help they need. Oh, they might be bankrupt on a situation. They may need to pay a bill, but what they need more than anything else is someone to walk alongside them, counsel them, and instruct them. Someone who won't leave them. We have enough ministries to where people are writing checks and financing, but no one's going. Right? So it's not all about finance. Prosperity is about giving what's growing in you to someone else. That's biblical prosperity. Right? Live long and prosper. Right? That's the biblical declaration. Live long and prosper. How many of you know Spock? You know Spock, right? Uh, did you know Spock didn't invent that? Did you know that that is actually Deuteronomy 5.16? Seriously. It was taken from the blessing from the Ten Commandments. And within the blessing of following the Ten Commandments, especially honoring your mother and father, 
so that you may live long and you may prosper in the land that the Lord is giving you. Live long and prosper. Now, this is no mistake either. Spock didn't make this up. This, as a matter of fact, is the priestly declaration. When the high priest of the Old Testament would prophesy and bless the people, he would put his hands like this. It was a spiritual antenna, if you will. And it was believed that as he would put his hands like this and pronounce live long and prosper, that God would move between the openings of his fingers, which each one represented, an aspect of God and would bless the people. So what Spock is doing is ripping off the high priest's prayer. This is not original. All right? This is the blessing of God. So it's okay for you to talk to people and go, live long and prosper. Oh, I can't live long and <laughs> live long and prosper. This is what God wants in our lives. And this is what God has provided that you and I would live long and prosper in the land that He has given us. The land that He has given us is the kingdom of God. We're pilgrims and strangers in this land. It's not about the riches we get here. It's about being rich and prosperous in the things of God. They are eternal and a blessing. So, what does it mean to have your soul prosper? It means, number one, health. What is the first health of your soul? To overcome sin. We are unhealthy as believers if we are walking in our sin. To be healthy as your soul prospers is to overcome the addictions of your flesh. To overcome sin. It, it, it gets me, I, when you're watching preachers, you listen to preachers, you can hoop a crowd out. We're overcomers, hallelujah. You can overcome, hallelujah. Let's overcome. And everybody's like, yeah, I want to be an overcomer. Yeah, let's overcome. Overcome all the hardships and dis tough things in life. Biblically, what is the one thing he's calling us to be an overcomer of? Sin. He said you'll have tribulation with you always. The overcoming that you and I have to be healthy in is overcoming sin. So are you healthy? Are you easily beset? As the writer of Hebrews says, easily entangled by sin. If so, we're not healthy. Christians, we're not healthy if we're trapped in sin. Now, everyone here has a sin issue. Okay? Everyone here does. So we come together and we pray and we work at it, overcoming this sin so that we may be an overcomer. We may conquer. And if, if someone in this house was addicted to, to a substance and they've been set free, I need you to start helping the person over here that's addicted to a substance. We're not judging. We're not comparing. We're saying, come on, I want you healthy. All right? There's a sickness and a disease in mankind. It's called sin. 
There is a remedy and an antidote. It's the blood of Jesus to give us power to overcome that sin. Let's not pretend we don't have it. Let's, in fact, identify it and say, help me. All right? Does that make sense? And so the healthy body of Christ deals with sin. We don't tuck it away. Let's just put this under here. We won't look at it because we're all such special good people. Aren't we all wonderful? You're beautiful. You are. But let's deal with it so we can be healthy as a body of Christ. One of the healthiest bodies is that people could come in in their sin, they won't be judged, and people will run to them and say, let me help you. Let me be there for you. That's health in the body of Christ. How do you continue to prosper your soul? You make fruit. You begin to touch other lives. And that's what Gaius was doing. He said, Gaius, your soul is prospering. And so I want you to prosper as well. Touch lives. He, he reached out and he made disciples of other people. Fruit means you share who you are in your identity and being. So every one of us, we're healthy by overcoming sin. And secondly, we're reaching the lost. Are we? We've focused on this all year that we would be a church that would begin to evangelize and reach out. And I don't feel that we have comprehended this enough because we need to begin multiplying ourselves as fruit to that community so that they may come in does this make sense to you last of all again glory that glory is reflecting christ we all with unveiled faces reflect the glory of christ you did it today in worship you, you worship deeply and profoundly and beautiful. There was a fragrance in this house this morning. There was a beauty in our midst. And it was your heart adoring Jesus. Take that adoration with you wherever you go. There's such a reflection of Christ on you that whenever you go somewhere, when you walk into a restaurant, people see it. Remember you carry it. All right? Remember you carry that glory of Christ so that when you go to that restaurant and you sit down and talk to your waitress, she can read the glory of Jesus and not the frustration of you. So that we would prosper and bear fruit, right? This is true prosperity. Now, if we have a lack of prosperity, what do we need? Third John tells us immediately. Gaius, I pray. I pray for you that you may prosper in all things and be in health that your soul, as your soul prospers. So what's the first thing you do? If there is a lack of health in your Christian walk, what's the first thing you must do according to 3 John? Pray. Pray. We must be attached to the vine. Apart from me, you can do nothing, okay? But in Christ, we can do all things. So we have to be attached to the vine. So if we have a lack of prosperity, pray, listen to God, hear Him. If we have a lack of fruit, we must go to the truth of God's Word, a biblical reality. He says this in verse 3, the truth that is in you, Gaius, just as you walk in the truth. So if we're not bearing fruit, it's because we're not believing 
God's Word. God's Word will give us the fruit in our lives. It's the only thing that will set us free. Amen? Power over sin, the Word of God, the truth. Are you reading the Word of God? Are you taking that Word in? Daily. Daily. How many of you take vitamins here? Anybody take vitamins? All right, now I hope the same number of people read the Word of God. Okay, good. You'll prosper. Last of all, that fragrance, that love, it's relationship. It's caring for others. Verse 5, he says to Gaius, Beloved, first of all, John loves this guy. Isn't it funny? John was one of the sons of thunder. How many of you remember that? That's what him and his brother James. These guys, they'd, they'd tear you apart. They didn't like you. They were tough fishermen, right? And, and one time, uh, they're in Samaria, and, and uh, James and John say, you know what, Jesus, if you want, man, we're just going to call fire lightning down from heaven and just toast these people. They're not respecting you. Let's burn them. Burn them. Wow. Sons of Thunder was their nickname. Hello. I think of a wrestling team. <laughs> the Sons of Thunder. Come on, tag me in, brother. <clears throat> and then what happens to John? He gets near Jesus and he begins to get completely transformed to where he became the, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he's just this guy of love. He just pours out love because he's been with Christ. The fragrance of Christ is there and he builds relationship. And so John says to Gaius in uh, verse 5, Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love to the entire church. There's a fragrance to you, Gaius. Everybody talks about the love you share, the hospitality you give to others. So if we lack health, we must pray. If we lack fruit, we must know the Word of God. And if we lack the fragrance or the glory of God, we've got to have love in our hearts for others, for Christ to display it. Now this is what we lack, all right? Now, this is the prosperity God wants us to have. What you don't want to do is be like diatrophies. I think of atrophy with diatrophy. Diatrophy uh, wasn't very fond of John. And he made fun of John and he said John was not an apostle and he dogged John and said he was no good and he ruled over his house and who would come into it. You're a Gentile? Get out, you loser. And uh, he would tell some people, he'd turn people away from the church, he ran it the way he wanted, and he spoke bad against the Apostle John. Loving John. And, and he would speak against him and speak against his doctrine. I don't know if you know any grace killers like this. People whose tongues are poison, and their form of prospering is to build up their kingdom and their testimony, if you will, by their actions and by what they've done. And you need to stay away from them. And so we don't want them. In fact, John goes on and he says this, Beloved, do not imitate what's evil, 
but do what's good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. He says that right after he describes Diotrephes. So here's a clue. What does he think of Diotrephes? If you read the epistles of John, 1, 2, and 3, you'll see that John is black and white. You either love God or you don't. You're either following God or you don't. If you say you follow God and you hate your neighbor, you're not a believer. I mean, it's just, he takes out the Ginsu knife and goes, slice, 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 slice. That's it. Make this cut and dry. You say you've got Jesus in us, let's see it. I don't see it, it ain't in you. Bottom line, thanks for coming. Peace out. Live long and prosper. I love that. There's a story about John the Apostle who, when he went into the, to the baths, uh, a lot of times in certain cities their baths were communal and out in the community. And when he went into one of the baths, there was a false teacher that had been in the baths. He went in, saw the false teacher, and he left. He said, I'm not washing with the same room that guy is. And left. He says, don't entertain those of false doctrine in your house. Don't even let them in. Skip it. Real cut and dry. All right? We're afraid we're going to offend someone. Do you know what? Some people need offending. They need offending. Because everybody's been so wishy-washy with them. Now, John is a gospel of love. John speaks of love. But love must be tough sometimes and must give clear indicators of where you're standing. You know how your parents did to you. Right? Some of you got kicked out of your house. Now, what are the hindrances to prosperity? And this is what we're going to complete and finish off with. God wants you to prosper. He wants health, He wants fruit, and He wants glory in your life. Health, fruit, and glory. That's biblical prosperity. Health, fruit, and glory. Consider that. Health, fruit, and glory. You're strong, you're producing, and you're testifying of God's goodness. Health, fruit, and glory. What can come against these aspects? Number one, what comes against health? Bad investments. I mean, what comes against the health of your finances? Bad investments, right? You're putting your money into bad things, wrong things. Okay? Right? I mean, Black Friday is all about buying things you don't need. But you got a deal on them that was crazy. I'll take seven of those TVs because I can get them. <laughs> All right, what do I mean by bad investments? Galatians 6.8 says this, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Our bad investments concerning biblical prosperity is when we spend our time investing in our flesh life. I'm not talking about investing in you and who you are and your family. I'm talking about your flesh, your lustful desires, the sin nature, right? The aspect of the flesh that's warring against the Spirit of God that wants to be satisfied. That's a bad investment. You sow to the flesh, you will what? Reap to the flesh. This is just basic. And so you're not going to prosper in your Christianity if you're spending Monday through Friday sowing to the flesh, getting Saturday your act together so that on Sunday you can praise Jesus. There's a bad investment here. 
You see what I'm saying? Now, some of you who are investors, if you spend six days bad investing and one day in a good company, is that going to average out okay? No. All right? So we're investing poorly. If you want to prosper in God, you have to sow to the what? Spirit. Monday, you sow to the Spirit. Tuesday, you sow to the Spirit. Wednesday, you sow to the Spirit. Thursday, sow to the Spirit. Friday, you sow to the Spirit. Right? Saturday, you sow to the Spirit. Sunday, we're sowing to the Spirit. And what are you going to reap back? The benefits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, self-control, patience, kindness, faithfulness. Come on. Against these things, there is no law. I mean, it just pours in. It's great. So the first thing that's working against your prosperity as a believer is if you're sowing to the flesh. We have to stop doing that. And I'm challenging you here today. Young people, if I could get you to know this right now before you spend so much investing in your flesh, sowing your wild oats, it's poison. It's poison. And you'll spend the next 20 years after sowing to that junk trying to fix it. So begin now. Don't invest in your flesh. It's worthless. Now here's the second thing that hinders our prosperity. Thievery. There is a thief that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Many of you should be healthier spiritually than you are. You should be bearing more fruit than you are, and you should have a greater glory of Christ than you do. And I'll tell you why. It's not for a lack of trying. It's not for a lack of wanting more and to bless God and desiring it. But you've left a back door open and there's a thief coming and robbing you blind. We've got to lock the doors and close the windows. Some of you are hanging out with people that are robbing you blind. They keep speaking evil into your life. They speak curse into your life. They're speaking negative things into your life. I'm trying to save them. Get like John and put the line down and say either you are or you aren't. Right? Come on, some of you have to cut off relationships because you're getting ripped off from your blessing, your prosperity in God. Many of us are being ripped off because of lies that the thief has planted. He's put lies about you. You're letting him, you let him put his name on your bank account. You gave him your PIN number. You know what I'm talking about. Because every time God brings a blessing to you, then the ravens and the birds come and they pick it out and leave. God puts a deposit in you. Today, I can bet this will happen. God put a deposit in you. You worshiped him. You heard from the Lord. You felt his love. You you were convinced that God is in this place. He loves you. He's in my heart. I heard the word of God. You go home. And then all of a sudden, there's a pin number on your heart that goes beep, boop, beep, boop, pop. Enter, withdraw. I'm a loser. I'm no good. I can't do anything right. Oh my gosh, life stinks. I'm so frustrated. I've been wounded by the church before. That man of God is not a man of God. He hurt me. And those lies are ripping you off. And so there's a thief that you must be aware of. And you must close out all accounts except for one. That account in Christ Jesus. 
So our prosperity is being ripped off in many of our lives. You need to investigate what you're truly understanding about your identity. You've had identity theft. Someone's stolen your ID. And they have no right. John also said in the book of Revelation, let no man steal your crown. Your crown is your glory. Your crown is your inheritance. Don't let anyone steal your inheritance because they say you can't. You're no good. You're not this. Don't let any man steal your crown. God called you to do something. Do it. Don't get ripped off. Last of all, bankruptcy. We've got no credit. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. He will lift you up. I've got nothing of value here. I'm bankrupt. But all my righteousness comes from Christ. The fragrance and the beauty that I can offer this world is not me. It's Christ in me. The hope of glory. Let that glory shine. Let that glory shine. So many of us are trying to work up our name. Now isn't it interesting that God told Abraham, I will, I will bless you and I will make your name great. Is that what Abraham wanted? He had visions of neon lights. Abraham, father of Israel. Yeah, I like it. He had bumper stickers made for chariots. Abraham's the man. Is that what God meant when he said, I'm going to make your name great? No. The way God wants to make your name great is that he shines through you so that everyone knows the God of Abraham. That's how his name was made great, the God of Abraham. Elijah, the God of Elijah. He's the God of Joe or the God of Pete or the God of Cindy. The God, they know you they know Christ because of you. Then you're not bankrupt anymore. It goes along the same thing. Health, fruit, and glory. So I conclude with this, brothers and sisters. Philippians says, Paul said this in Philippians, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I know what it's like to be rich. I know what it's like to be poor. I know what it's like to be healthy. I know what it's like to suffer. I know what it's like to be persecuted. I know what it's like to be gloried. But I found the key to all of this. I know how to be content with whatever situation I'm in. That's why this verse in 3 John is much further than, are you healthy? Huh? You got any, any uh, problems with your flesh? It's so much deeper than that. The prosperity of your soul that He wants to magnify through your health and well-being is a total consummation of who Christ is in you. So that whether you are exalted or abased, whether you are rich or whether you're poor, whether you are healthy or you're sick, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Let's bow our heads.